the first thing that happens when we roll up. One of the random dudes is like, everyone empty your pockets. And and so I was like, oh, we're going to get searched right now. This makes me feel good or better, like that they're security, but f- feel worse because it's some random dude. <laughs> it was definitely someone you... I mean, like, what are your credentials? Like, you, son? Yeah, you, like it's you know, what security you work with? I think it's my bougie ass used to like someone wearing a shirt or a hat. Oh yeah, it didn't said. say he didn't no, say security. No, it, it was just it. he was completely plain clothes, and it's because he looked like he was just a homie hanging out front. Is yeah. why Eli completely passed him. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. And I ignored it's him. Like this guy's literally talking to Eli. Be like, yo, empty your pockets and put your arms up to be searched. And he goes straight past him to like dab, dab up like the person he knows. Was the guy and, like and five, five? Cause I feel like no, Eli does that to short people. No, it was <laughs> short racist. Son. <laughs> Welcome to the catch up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, Editor-in-Chief, and Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms, It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy. There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. All right. And welcome to the catch up. All right, guys. Welcome back. You guys have been asking to see more of these Eli and Jeff get high and go experience things. So we got high and went to an underground cannabis swap meet. And man, this happened really quickly. Super fast. Because it was one of those things where, to me, it was out of the blue. Because we were we were actually recording a podcast that day. You kind of let me know offhand that you got a text message and that you might go to this place later that night. And then as soon as the words left your lips of cannabis swap meet, I was just super intrigued and I instantly got what I thought it might be, but I don't know. Maybe that's just good headlining, but it, it was intriguing from the moment you said it like, oh, what does that mean? But remember how confused I was when I brought it up to you? Because so my friend, a uh, friend of a friend had been texting me for like a couple months and all the texts would say would be a poster for like a video game mm-hmm. and he would just say, the password is Mega Man, right? Okay, it was just yeah. me- like, right. and it, but there would be a Mega Man poster. And the whole time I'm like, oh, this dude is throwing pop-up dinners, <laughs> right? I had no idea it was weed related. I had no, I- I had no idea. So I just ignored it. And so the video game text that you received, that something where it didn't mention cannabis or didn't have flour in it or didn't it was just a video game poster with a password nothing yeah that's it it was just a video game and i was like sick this is like i get to play mega man and have dinner (laughs) and and people usually text me about food things so that's what i assumed it was and this person this friend of a friend usually texts me about food things but the past couple months was just about video games and so that day we were recording a podcast and i was like yo jeff 
you want to do like you want to go to like a pop-up dinner and because that's what i thought it was so i texted back and asked i was like that that explains actually so much because you you invited your girlfriend and you invited your brother yeah and the whole day it felt like there was this confusion about are we eating together or are we not? Yeah. And I didn't realize that it was because you were actually confused about what was happening. So did you end up sending, like, did you essentially text for more information to figure out what it was? Or like, how did you come to the realization that it wasn't a pop-up dinner? Well, I, I just asked. I was well, one, because I'm inviting you and I'm inviting my brother and jazz. I want to know, like, is there a cost involved? What's the cover for the dinner? Is it, pre-fee is it what is it right like i'm inviting some friends i wanted to have izzy come he bailed of course shout out producer izzy i had work to do bro of course he did um but so as i asked he started unveiling a little bit more information and basically i realized that this is a cannabis swap meet a weed swap meet and i was like okay i asked the the party asked jeff i asked uh my brother and my girlfriend like y'all y'all still down and they're like yeah sounds fun like they just assumed it would be like constructed like a pop-up dinner which is cool and speakeasy like yeah and so anyways i get the password for the evening we're not going to say what city is in so we 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 end up going to this city and we go to this place and we can't find it at first yeah we we <laughs> it's definitely in a, an older neighborhood we parked in a neighborhood yeah like a, like a, a residential, residential neighborhood mm-hmm. um and then you know, we were kind of, we were for th- two or three minutes. We were kind of lost. We had we right. had a pinpoint on GPS, but we didn't see anything from the street, right? Which I think we kind of expected. So we kind of went close to a pinpoint on GPS and basically started walking around. <laughs> and then, I, and then before we saw anything. We all smelled something. Yeah. So we knew we were close just because we all looked at each other and we were like, oh, we're here. Yeah, I, te- I texted the plug too on the way. You guys you guys were like, ch- I was like walking a little bit ahead of you guys because I just wanted to be the person in this group that's finding where this is. And I was like, yo, I don't know if I'm here. I don't know if I'm at the right place. He's like, you'll smell it. He's like, you'll smell it. <laughs> oh, he said that too. Yeah, he's like, you'll smell it. So we walk up and mind you, I'm my tiny girlfriend of Jeff and my brother and we're walking up and all there is is like in this back alley and there's a bunch of canopies out out front there's food on the table and stuff like that and you just hear this waft but no one not that they're not friendly but it was just like I didn't know who to say hi to first I didn't know who I was looking for or anything yeah and before before we go on this is we actually did eat an edible oh, right, before right. we go to this place. So we are going to this. We aren't just going to the swap meet and this is a recount of our yeah. story going to a swap meet. We were recording We were recording a podcast and we actually kept edibles out because we were recording late that day. Yeah. And we took edibles while we were in the middle of a podcast to make sure that we were good to go right after it. And, and so I was... To give the listener context, I was definitely feeling it while we while we were strolling up to this place. Yeah, and to your point, like you knew it was the right place because of the smell, but there was also like a bunch of dudes hanging outside of this place in somewhat of an intimidating way. 
And Why, it, how so? Let's let's talk about the intimidation because it is real. It be, is real. I think it was just because you don't know anybody, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're walking into, uh, and or at least I didn't know anybody, right. and so and, and so I think that was something where you know going up to a nondescript, non-marked couple of tables under some easy ups with four or five dudes walking your watching your group come up yeah. is just an intimidating feeling no matter where you are yeah like if you're if you're a group of people walking up to a group of people and there's guaranteed going to be an interaction that's somewhat intimidating right it's not like you know you're on a sidewalk or it's not like you're in a parking lot this is something where like oh we're we are about to meet these people this is what's going to happen and i think that's what somewhat raise the stakes a little bit of like oh we don't know what we're getting into but what i do know is i care a lot about the people that i'm with so it's just a thought that was in and out of my second like oh this is intimidating we're here though we're going like we're here to experience this and i don't i didn't have any bad vibes coming from the people it was the situation itself i think what made me feel good though was they had in and out on the table what? Like they just had in and out on the table. It wasn't like I, I didn't understand if it was up for grabs or if it was just the dudes running the door. And but I was like, yeah, I mean, these are real people. <laughs> they have in and out. And I, I have felt, a question I about good. the the edibles you guys took. Did you guys yeah. take anything new or anything notable or like anything that hit differently? Oh, I took weed mints from an actual dispensary, <laughs> from like a legal dispensary, <laughs> which is uh, very ironic at this point. Yeah, I got something from Bloom. I forget what the mints were, but they were delicious. Yeah. And I got them and I ate them. And that's both Jeff and I had the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it was roughly five milligrams. So something on the low dosage mint stuff. But the the mint we had, I, I can't remember now because I never actually saw the package. You only just gave me the mint. It was more... It was actually ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was more out based mint yeah because we've had the we've had the petra mints um, oh, from good. kiva mm-hmm. um and those are really small those are the one th- those are ones that i can't remember the brand of mints that it's like but it's really small versus the one we had was like an altoid like a little bit more chalky in its texture yeah um and like you kind of it kind of sits in your mouth for a little bit versus the other the other type of mints that i've had but flavor flavor was good and i don't know if it's just the mint and because it dissolves it hits me pretty fast it did hit it did hit kind of fast and i told you it wouldn't hit fast but i apparently the night before i had just i tried the mint just to see how it tasted and how it felt and i just chewed it up real quick that's how i usually eat my mints i don't normally like let them suck in your mouth which is what you're supposed to do if you Uh want it to actually make your breath smell good you don't just chew it up and eat it so anyways it kind of dissolved kind of fast and kind of nice and it hit during the podcast and luckily we have my brother and my girlfriend who were sober and they drove us to where this was so when we get there we walk i didn't know what to expect inside well and we shouldn't even start inside yet because when we roll up (laughs) the first thing that happens when we roll up one of the random dudes is like everyone empty your pockets and and so i was like oh we're gonna get searched right now this makes me feel good or better like that their security but f- feel worse because it's some random dude <laughs> like, it was definitely someone you i mean like what are your credentials like, you, son? Yeah, you, like it's you know what security you work you just, with? i think it's my 
bougie ass used to like someone wearing a shirt or a hat that, oh yeah that, it didn't that say he didn't no, say security it, did, it was just it. he was completely plain clothed and it's because he looked like he was just a homie hanging out front is yeah. why eli completely passed him <laughs> dude i didn't know i, I didn't know <laughs> i ignored it's him like this guy's literally talking to eli be like yo empty your pockets and put your arms up to be searched and he goes straight past him to like da- dab up like the person he knows was the guy and, like and five five because i feel like no, eli does that to short people no it was I, <laughs> Short racist son. <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember now. Very well, very well could have been. I didn't but see him. The moment that that happened, Jazz, his girlfriend, and I looked at each other and we were like, "Ah, oh, shit! Here, here it starts." Because we didn't listen to the security guy outside of this place. Like, we're already starting beef with this place. But you just did. I know you just didn't hear it. And then because because we knew the guy at the door. Uh, or at least you did. Uh, you know that was something where we didn't have to get searched. I wonder but. if because because I dabbed up my friend of a friend while this. I don't know what the security guard was doing when I ignored him, but maybe he looked at my friend of a friend and was like, "Is he good?" Yeah, that, I think there was some. I think there was some nonverbal communications happening. Yeah, but it was just so funny because you know you could your jazz was a little on edge. Like you could tell that the whole time, yeah. And having a weird interaction with someone who's labeled as security at the front of this place, you could just tell that tell like that put her and me a little bit more on edge to just be like, how is this gonna, how is this gonna go down? Is this gonna be cool? You think you were on edge because you were a little high? I think I definitely think I was more on edge than I would be. Because for me, cannabis just makes everything accentuated. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was definitely thinking about it more than I probably would have without being high. And then we finally walk in. Has the picture been painted, Reach? I mean, uh, Izzy, because you, you weren't there with us. I have a question about the atmosphere. Did it feel like an intimate setting? Was it big? Was it small? How did, how did it feel like... I'll, another thing I kind of want kind of related to this like when you got that invitation if you weren't his friend like how would you have felt going into that if you weren't his friend and you didn't know a little bit even i mean you still didn't even really know what was going on at that point but yeah how would you feel if it if it was just like someone like hey come check out this thing with me i don't think it was intimidating enough to where if i wanted product and that's what i was there for that it would hinder me at all I think it's just one of those things I was thinking about because I have no real need or desire to kind of go to this place. I mean, I'm new into cannabis. I like going into the dispensaries that I've gone into. I've, I don't mind paying what I believe to be a premium for the stuff that I get because I don't use on any frequent level. So even if I'm buying a $20 chocolate bar it's lasting me months so you know i don't have a need so if i'm putting myself in the position of someone who does want product as we learn does want more potent product Mm -hmm. for less money then i don't think any of it would be a hindrance because you're going after something that you want for a specific purpose yeah and i'm not really like of the culture so for me i 
if it if I didn't know the person well enough, I probably wouldn't have gone. And it's probably coming some of the same boat that Jeff's in of just I don't consume weed that often that like I need to look for that deep a discount. Right. And it is a deep discount. Like when you go to this place and we'll talk about the prices, we'll talk about some of the pros and cons of going to something like this. Cause as soon as we learned after, I told some of my like weed head friends and they're just like, bro, this shit ain't new. Like th- this is going on around the country. This you know what's is- kind of crazy about that? Yeah. That at this point, even though weed in California is legal, quote unquote, these things have probably been going on for a while and it's still probably the same feeling everyone in there still probably has the same feeling from when it was illegal to this point where it's legal like they're probably still feeling that same type of anxiety like what if the cops come or Mm. what if like those kind those type of feelings still exist even though it's quote unquote legal now well it's legal as long as you follow all of the conditions yeah and i think what what I was, what was really interesting to me is when we walk into this place is that you realize that, oh, these are the mom and pops of the cannabis industry. Yeah. These are the people who are trying to build businesses that didn't necessarily come from money, get tons of investment. Like they are interested or have been a part of the culture for a long time. And they're, they're absolutely trying to make the same dollar that everyone else is and we learned how hard it is was it i forget was it kiva who told us like all of the taxing that they do it's crazy trying to trying to open up just like one shop and like distribute it and put it all together although like they get taxed up the ass for it yeah if, if this is the first food beast cannabis podcast that you guys are listening to we've talked to founders of dispensaries um you know, with with Bloom, who has six dispensaries across California and Nevada. We talked to the founder of Kiva, who's like the biggest chocolatier. And all that they talk about, I think more than anything else in all of our conversations, is how much money it takes more than the average upstart investment to get to a point where you can actually sell legally. So not only are you registering with the state which is a long and intensive process that you also need legal representation for you are going through a city municipal process you're going through lab testing that's required by the state the packaging rules that's also required by the state which is something that the kiva founder mentioned was insanely expensive because it needs to be childproof and almost like an uh, over-the-counter medicine, right, Um, for a chocolate bar. And so she had to basically create packaging that is child-safe and, I don't know, it's crazy. And that's just... And Eli-safe, apparently. (laughs) Well, and that's just the production end. Like, those are costs just on the production. And where it really hits the cannabis industry hard is the transportation, the storage, the selling taxes on it. So all that Jeff just mentioned was just up to the making of a product that is safe and good and measured and understandable to the general consumer. And then they have to sell it to a dispensary because you can't sell it online. So you have to sell it to a legal licensed dispensary who then has to mark theirs and mark it up which is crazy because it's not just a markup like a regular grocery store because they also have their own internal taxes they have to figure out. 
who's watching the cash-based business that we're doing. So security is way different. You're not taking credit card payments. Some dispensaries are when they're, that's getting better. But so there's so much that even gets to a store. So a bar that might, a chocolate bar that might've costed like two or $3 in production might end up selling at like 20 or 30 or 40 bucks, which is a different type of wholesale business than like a Hershey's chocolate is in. Right. That can like, it can cost 20 cents to make it and it'll cost you a dollar at the store. Everyone took their 50% markup all the way. So you can see you can see some major differences when you go to something as cool as this swap meet that we went and to. And these are all conversations that really weren't had or I mean people didn't really know about when the voting was done here in California. Mm-hmm. Unless people who are like really in the culture that I would talk to, they're like, yeah, this isn't going to be good as far as the whole like legalizing Mm -hmm. like it sounds good on the outside like cool we can smoke weed now and it's a little more accepted which is the cool part but it's like yeah now you're paying 40 dollars when before it's like it's like a good and bad i mean it's yeah it's definitely a mixed bag because it's also because of its legitimacy is bringing in people like eli and i to consume when we would never really consume on any level before, right? And now we have a part of our podcast series talking about it is because we're so interested in all the products that are available into it. And I don't think that happens without the legalization. Um, And the big thing that I think is the pro-con that's directly relatable to the swap meet is when you have a dispensary, when you have an approved brand, if something is wrong or fucks you up, there's recourse to go, I know where I bought that. I yeah. know that where it was produced. I have someone to reach out and talk to. There's a state board that you can file a complaint. These are, these are all things that come with the legitimacy that makes me feel more comfortable about it and its whole. And again, there's probably a pretty big discussion that we can have is it's letting people like me in, but it's also, if you were someone that uses cannabis for medicine and you needed cannabis because it was the most affordable thing for your treatment, it's absolutely becoming more expensive for you. The person who has been, you know, been through the decade long journey of trying to get get this legalized um and i have kind of mixed feelings about that because is that person left out and am i pushing them out it's the gentrification of cannabis it's the gentrification of ownership of cannabis while while we still have people incarcerated for doing the same thing but the big pro the big pro at least and we've mentioned it a little bit is that like one of the dope we went in we walk into the swap meet right we eventually walk into the swap meet And one of the first vendors I stop at is this all like gummies, like different kind of like craft gummies, it looks like. And I'm talking like little Sour Patch looking things, red gummy bears that were soaked in something limey and tahine, delicious. I I buy a few of those and I, I eat some there and I take some home. And the next day I'm trying this watermelon tahine gummy yeah comes in this little jar we both bought those we both bought those delicious delicious (laughs) tastes really good it's a watermelon gummy as you know and then it's covered in i think there was lime and then there's tahine and the tahine is medicated as well 
and it comes in this jar that's really easy to open, which is completely like they didn't go through whatever you need. Like someone packages it home and is just giving it. It to was you a mason jar that you'll find yeah. that's smart and final. It- so the first day I eat one of these gummies and I go to garden, literally I go to garden and it doesn't really hit. And then I'm thinking an hour goes by, two hours goes by. And it doesn't hit. I'm not high. You said garden like you're working in your with the plants. In yeah, your yeah yard. I'm like growing some succulents in my front yard. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm getting that working. But I thought how nice of a night that would be. Like a little bit of little yeah. bit of weed, just garden, take my mind off things. It's nice. Two hours in, and I'm not feeling it. And I think about the jar, and the jar is like a high potency, and it doesn't label it per gummy. Gummy, which is also a problem. Right, like that's one of the cons of buying it. From that's what I was going like to ask you about. The it was dosage. an aggregate number on the jar Ooh. of something like three hundred or four hundred. Yeah, it was like, like four hundred. But there's milligrams. like, but there's thirty five gummies in there. Now but I got to do the math. Like it's all packed in there, right? And it was also evident because I took, I I bought the same thing and I ate it at a not at the same time, but um, this past weekend and. And yeah, they're 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 packed in there, and you can also you have a feeling that this isn't a gummy that was created with cannabis as an ingredient. This was a gummy that was existed as a watermelon gummy and was probably delicious and unmedicated, and then was layered on mm-hmm. in some sort of format, whether it was the tahini, whether it was something else. Um, and again, I don't know enough about cannabis to know if that's. I'm assuming that's not as good in in my head because they have they're not going through that full process of from scratch and integrating it in a way that might be the best. It's kind of a layer on top, but I don't know realistically if the high will be any different. But we both experienced something where I was I was afraid to eat something out of a mason jar, and so even though even when you do the math. Of like, let's say it's 450 gummies. I mean, sorry, 450 milligrams, and there's 40 gummies in there. You're like roughly getting something around 10 per gummy, and 10's too too much for me. So I took a little bite of one because I feel like I I didn't want to. What if what if there's more than 450 in here? What if whatever? And but that being said, with that bite that I took, I didn't. I didn't get any high. I took more and eventually got there, but it was like because I had 6 hours to like of a Saturday to test this stuff out and it's it's kind of by trial versus when I buy anything at the dispensary, I know I'm I want something in the 5 range. You're going to get it. And I'm going to get it and it's been pretty consistent so far. And so my concerns were never about the product being laced or you know factually inaccurate or anything like that just in case some people were wondering and i just got that vibe from like i talked to the person who made it and i felt like that she had her instagram account on the bottle which i'm not gonna unveil uh but i never that never crossed my mind but after i started eating through it i realized just because this didn't go through the same scrutiny as like a packaged legal good would I was like, yo, I wonder if she just soaked all these gummies and now as they sit in the mason jar, all the good stuff is soaked to the bottom. Oh, wow. And so like the stuff that you're peeling off the top and you're eating these gummies one at a time, 
Like maybe it's not as good at the top and now the ones at the bottom are extremely potent. That's not something you experience Mm -hmm. with a packaged gummy or a packaged edible from a legal dispensary. So that's one of the pro and con. It's like you're going to get some high dosage stuff, but it's going to be all over the place. Um, And it's not to say that there weren't packaged goods that you could find at dispensaries at this swap meet. So then I also picked up something called a a sour patch kid. It was looked like a sour patch kid graphic. The whole it was like it had almost the it was a tough thing to open. It looked like they went through all the scrutiny of it. And that thing hit really nice. So that one was really fun. So it's it's one of those pros and cons when you walk into that store, you're going to get to try some really unique new things. But you don't know what the potency is. Yeah. And and for me, at the end of the day, it's like, that was really fun. I'm going to go to that. I might, I might go to one of these things again, really just to see what new things people are coming up with. But I don't know if I would serve them like at my house if people are hanging out, especially to people who are new to cannabis, new to weed. It's like, nah, man, you're going to get this Kiva chocolate that I know is exactly this much. It's You're going to eat just this much. You're going to get this amount of high. And it kind of reminds me of like why like alcohol, blood alcohol level contents are explicitly expressed on different alcohol bottles because mm-hmm. that's that's why it's so important. And so it kind of reminds me of that time of like why beer went through its moment, right? And like the prohibition is like this is this is why. And so I wonder if these pop-ups are going to just get crazier and more until it gets fully, fully accepted. Because right now it's not fully accepted. It's just legal for recreation, but it's still, it's still too high a price point. Now imagine if a bottle of beer at the store costed you like 20 bucks, like you would find a way to get beer cheaper. Yeah. And I think that's what's driving Avid weed consumers to find places like this and still use their dudes who pick up like the dude they used to pick up for because it's still cheap yeah and i actually ran into kind of the exact situation that you mentioned just previously about i don't know if i would serve this to a group of people like i went to a back backyard barbecue with six or seven other people and brought brought the gummies with me thinking, well, I just bought these gummies. I'm never going to get through 40 of these things. Um, first, And by the way, like 40 of these gummies at 450 milligrams was $10. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, I'm going to bring this. Mm-hmm. But I bring it and I then I have to realize that I have to tell everyone the, the entire story of how I got these. So I can, are you in? So I can basically free myself from the guilt if I don't know how these will hit you or or what. I was basically over explaining, and that made it one less fun. Um, because I just felt like I had to, like almost, almost like like a lawyer. Like I got these gummies; they're from a swap meet. Like I don't. I don't really know, but sign this waiver as but, you walk into my house. But you cool? But they're here. Like, feel free, you know. And someone who was a connoisseur that said, like, her, you know, she can take up to thirty-five milligrams, like, no problem. Like, popped a gummy, no problem. Was, you know, probably had done that a thousand times. 
But for me, it's a complete, like, I think about when I'm going to get high because I only get high in certain instances. So it's typically going to be, I mean, outside of the what we do for this podcast, it's going to be just like when I was 25 and going out for drinking, like I'm not going out on a Monday night to get trash. Yeah. So, you know, I have a limited amount of time in my week that's kind of open for these cannabis opportunities, I guess. And explaining all of that and doing all and then not knowing the consistency actually was a turnoff mm. because I could like I was in a situation where I could have gotten more high. I had a long period of time and I was testing it out and that kind of was like, oh, man, this was kind of my night to turn up and I didn't and it was fine. Um, and now I know I can take more of this theoretically but if you if what you said was true that the ones at the bottom might just be more medicated than the ones at the top then i still feel like i have to be careful you absolutely should be careful and and that's how i'm almost positive especially the ones that we purchased from that particular brand that's how they made them is i don't think they made the gummies from scratch they're buying the gummies from some other brand and then they're soaking them or coating them in their medicated stuff so the the other really cool thing we picked up was this medicated tahine which is like this delicious you find it a lot of uh, awesome street vendors they like put it on mango and tahine is just this amazing spice and and mixture and she somehow medicated it and they were giving you get this huge pack of it for yeah. like five bucks or ten bucks, yeah. And like, if that was in a store, that would be, be like forty bucks, easy, easy. And but like, I'm, I just eat that. I just put a little bit on my hand and I eat it, and it was so good. And then there's these sour red gummies that were just these little red bears, and those were obviously soaked because they're so sticky that they all kind of stick and clump together. And that was like the evident like you guys just soak these and then it's almost as if you guys ever made like you ever Izzy's never obviously done this so sober betty um sorry you, you ever like soaked gummy bears in vodka Always. oh oh and but they become super potent that super way super right? potent super potent we do it at part we used to do it at parties all the time and you would just you just take a shit ton of gummy bears put them into a bowl and then you just pour your favorite alcohol into it if you're tequila mode pour the whole bottle of tequila into it and then after a couple hours they start soaking up if you leave it overnight the tequila just disappears into the gummies and i'm pretty sure they did something of that nature with these and but you feel it on the outside they glisten they stick and that's where there's a lot of inconsistency because the alcohol can move around i'm sure the weed can move around the gummies so you might get a gummy that had nothing right because I, I i literally did the exact same thing because i was i was uh, I was marinating chicken for this barbecue. Mm -hmm. And as I'm doing it, I have a giant... I can either put it in a giant container or I can put it in two separate containers. And I was talking to my mom about this and she's like, if you put it in the giant container, then the chicken on the bottom gets significantly less... Or the chicken on the bottom gets more marinade because everything kind mm -hmm. of falls down. And so it's it's the, that exact same process of depending on how they medicated this watermelon gummy or this tahine, like you don't 
you don't know what you're getting. It's not a lab-tested process where they're equalizing every bear or every morsel of tahin. But at the same time, that's juxtaposed with, I've never seen medicated tahin before. So that's like, you're seeing the level of innovation and someone being like, man, you know it would be dope to throw on the rim of a michelada? Medicated tahin. You know it would be amazing cannabis experience? Throwing that on fresh cut mango? I'm in. I'm into it, and that's now possible because of the swap meet, and I've never seen it. At, you know, so I think it's balancing the inconsistency with the level of innovation is what made that swap meet super food beast to me from an edible perspective. They're, that's like, they're like giving the legal brands ideas, just like as we speak. I guess. I mean, here the legal brands that are listening. We know. We know a lot of dispensaries <laughs> that listen. We know a lot of legal brands that listen. Enjoy, it's like when, it's like, it. when, it's like when Drake jumps on SoundCloud and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna take this style real quick, and no one's gonna know about it." <laughs> that's exactly what's going on. Um, but that's what made it so interesting going to this. Is it definitely felt like almost like the vibe you get from a farmer's market, where you don't. They're not like necessarily licensed. They're, they might not be doing everything out of a licensed kitchen, but. It's your opportunity to go see what new people are doing, what ingredients they found, what they're bringing to the table. And so that's, and again, so that's the pretty picture of it. What was going on there is we're walking into what looks like two classrooms, you know, and it's two classrooms that are like nested within each other. So you walk through one, everything's cash only, and people are smoking in there, they're enjoying, they're indulging, but every vendor is kind of split up as a swap meet would. You walk, you talk. We we hung out there for maybe 10, 20, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. minutes. Maybe it was longer, but we, we don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, but, and this place was like a thousand square feet. Yeah, it's not so big. it wasn't, so there was probably 40 people just from like the, the amount of sales side vendors and people shopping. And it was probably at least two or three to one more people on the sales side than the customers. Cause we, when Eli jazz, Andrew and I are all in there, uh, there are other people there, but there weren't mobs of people. Cause it's a, mm. it's a small space. It's also a password only five hour or whatever period where people can kind of walk in and out but it's also not an inviting space. And I think what pushed me to get out of there sooner was fear, to be honest. Um, everyone was taking cash. There was probably tens of thousands of dollars worth of flour, merchandise, edibles, cash in this building that had a single exit, single yeah. entrance point. And, and again, it was something where I'm okay with entering that situation and, and leaving. Um, but I wouldn't, like I told Eli this afterwards, I wouldn't bring my girlfriend in there. Like I just wouldn't because she doesn't need to be. Yeah. One, she eats, she, like when she partakes, it's the stuff that I get anyway. Um, and so that was definitely a vibe for me of like, okay, there's a technically a plain clothes security guy someone's probably strapped for better or for worse and there's a single exit point like i'm not trying to get caught in here and you know one of the scariest stories of of bloom when they were on the podcast is how you know when they were starting their business and they would 
enter with backpacks with product and then leave with cash was getting robbed all the time. And so if these, if these, you know, video game flyers are being, you know, it's a, I don't know. It just, you don't know. And again, I, I think I'll, I'm outside of this side of the industry and I'm sure a lot of it happens without any incident. But I, I couldn't stop my mind from thinking about that with people that I care about. So I was like, cool, we got some stuff. We walked around. We saw most of the vendors. And then it was like, yeah, let's let's get out of here. And I kind of pushed for it quicker with that thought in mind. I just realized we can't even talk about where we ate after. <laughs> Well, I mean, we, were gonna we, have we, some fun. we could talk about it generally, but but yeah, man, I was. Um, it was scary. It, it was yeah. I wasn't. Was it I, fast food? I don't. What was no. it? Fast food? No, okay. it wasn't fast food. But, but I, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't scared to the point where I was like, "Let's get the fuck out of here!" And like now, like we're not running, run or whatever. But it was just one of those things that just that never that never left my mind while I was while I was in there. There's also nothing else to do. Like it's like it, it was True. literally like it's like you don't hang out in a dispensary because like you you walk in you get your product and you leave. Like there's just nothing 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 else to do there. You're not gonna kick it with the associate. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah, my friend was there, but like cool, I'll hang out with you at the other places we hang out with. So like, they didn't we, have like an acoustic live performance for you to like. <laughs> no, there was no yeah, there's no yeah. entertainment keeping you there. There's so no like, event activation. There's no photo booth. <laughs> it was a, it was a natural it was a natural like time to leave. It did cross my mind that like damn, there's a lot of cash in here. This is weird. We're in a classroom. You know, there's weed, there's this stigma around all of this. And then eventually, like 15 minutes in, we had used the cash we brought to purchase stuff. And then we're like, well, let's fucking get out of here. Let's At any go enjoy point, this. did the thought of a raid ever cross your mind, even though yeah. it was very low key? So, I don't think, I mean, I don't. I, I do. And, and here's why is before weed uh, was recreationally legal in California, it, it was legal medicinally and you had to go apply for your rec card. And my brother and I had gone to a store in Santa Ana and I thought it was a completely legal shop. How would I know any different? I go in, it was on weed maps and I go there and they check your ID, they give you paperwork, you sign it real quick and you walk in and I shopped with my brother. The next day, an OC Weekly article comes out about that very spot getting their door kicked in and raided and gutted. So yeah, I was like, shit, that was less than 48 hours of me being in that store buying from what I later found out was an unlicensed California pot shop. You know what I mean? And it's becoming more more common now. There, There's like several articles, but there's this LA Times article that's talking about how this um, how California is actually starting to crack down more on these illegal pot shops to the point where in 2018 they served six, only six search warrants, but they pulled out 1,500 pounds of cannabis worth $13 million out of those six unlicensed pot shops. And they're like running ad campaigns. They're like trying to get people to not go to these illegal ones and be like, oh, you don't know what you're getting. Kind of a little bit like what you guys experienced, but like they're trying to get the word out there and trying to push people more toward 
the legal well there's shops. A, there's a cash there's a cash incentive for the state to do absolutely. that now absolutely so i mean but let's not mince words here those raids were happening on a federal level mm-hmm. constantly when it wasn't legal either and you know i don't remember what what this raid at the dispensary that you had went to eli but there was it's it's very very well documented that it was kind of like, well, should we fuck up some dispensaries today because they're technically illegal, have no city or state protection, and and they would just do that, right? Um, and so I think raids are are pretty common, but for from my perspective at the swap me, like I didn't think I I've heard less about raids since the legalization. Yeah, I don't. They might be happening, and I just might not be privy to them. But I actually wasn't thinking about raid in my mind. I was thinking about robbery, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but wasn't really wasn't concerned about being in an illegal pot shop while getting raided. It was it was just more of oh, uh, what's safety and security for the people I'm with. Yeah, and then towards the end, it just felt pretty ca- like as you're leaving, you realize like how kind of casual this whole thing is, and it's kind of gypsy in nature that it travels. It's never at the same spot, never at the same place. They don't recur. You it's know, like PT Barnum. As I know, they're just a circus. What's up? They're just like PT Barnum. They're just like a traveling yeah. weed circus. Yeah, and and knowing that it goes on, and again, I had no idea what we were walking into. I, outside of thirty minutes before, I genuinely thought we were going to a pop up dinner. That had nothing to do with weed at all. I just thought it was like a pop-up dinner because it's a friend of a friend. It was a chef of a chef's friend. And like that's that's all I knew and that's all I thought. And that's what I get invited to all the time. But I was down for the journey once we heard what it was. And then after you go home and we just started researching like, oh, this is some this is some shit. This is some real shit. And I get it. I get why those campaigns are going on, Izzy. Like the one that you mentioned, billboards running, like you're taking money out of the state's pocket, you're taking money out of companies and brands that are doing things legitimately as well, like that are going through, like imagine you got an alcohol license for your bar and you paid 150 grand for it and you waited and then the place across the street is doing it illegally, yeah. right? Like that's the that's almost the same exact thing as what's going on here. So I, I understand both, both sides of it. Um, I... We don't officially recommend doing anything illegal, just to put that out there. But but we also know that this is a very prevalent thing. Yeah. I mean, and we were unaware of it. But then as soon as we started talking to anyone that had been partaking or been part of the cannabis industry, for, like they kind of looked at us like we were stupid. Like, oh, have you never been to a sesh before? Like, yeah. oh, have you have you ne- have you never been to one of these before? Like, these existed pre legalization and exist after because this is the the cheaper marketplace where upstart brands can start. The tahine actually makes me think of. I want to ask you guys a question. And do you think it would be smart for the consumer packaged good brands that we cover like all the time? Let's let's say Sour Patch Kids. Is it smart for them to potentially like look, starting looking into creating their own medicated versions? Because mm. that's what's crazy to me. I fell in love with the tahin. And if there was a medicated tahin by tahin, I think that shit would fly. Yeah. I think that would fly off shelves. 
Now there's the question of does it disparage your brand or does it, you know, whatever, but I, I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like now's the time if you're if you're on the board or have controlling stock or equity of the company that owns Tahin, I don't know what it is. I would be looking into that right now. I mean, I, there's there's two points of it. Like one, do I wish there was a medicated Tahin by Tahin? Yes, yes, 100%. Do I think that they understand what the cost benefit of making it themselves is? No. And I think like right now, Tahin is instilled in topping it in beer culture, topping it in your food and topping it in your fruits and vegetables. So for me, I'm just like, okay, if I'm Tahin, do I invest however many millions of dollars it's going to take to try to get this through? And... Maybe, maybe, but then should Tahin be doing a beer? Should they be doing, you know, like where do they, where do they, where do they find what their strengths is as a company? And just like, I'm going to be just the condiment. But yeah, I mean, the markup on having a medicated Tahin versus just the Tahin that they sell goes from like a dollar package in the store to potentially selling it at 40 or 50 bucks a pop. I mean, that's pretty nice. I, I think mean, it depends on the brand too. Cause like, in particular, if you're Tahin, like you got a stranglehold on that market. Like right. if you're not getting Tahin, what are you even getting? Like, do you, I don't, I don't know what the alternative to Tahin is. Like, there is no, and it's like, cause like it's they like, don't need it. It's like if there was a brand called Salt, right? Like I think the closest is probably like a Morton, Morton sure. Salt. And some people think it's synonymous, but they've lost that grasp. Like now that there's sea salt, there's all this stuff is they don't have just that grasp anymore. But Tahin is Tahin. There's no, if you found it at a Costco and they tried to make their own Kirkland version, it would look corny and I don't think people would expect it. <laughs> yeah. I think there's brands out there though that might be known, but are maybe not doing as well that might try something like that if it, if it fits their mm. like food, maybe not some, I don't think they feel that it fits their brand at all. Anyone at this point, but if someone wants to throw a Hail Mary and be like, yo, maybe there's a market for this. Let's try it. We're kind of struggling. I, I mean, des that would be, desperate but. times call for desperate measures. But again, I think there's just such a large opportunity that if I'm a stockholder in a CPG company, even if I'm, even if the company's laying super low, we're not talking about it. We're doing this like, you know, completely off the grid, off the radar. Is like if you're talking about a two to five million dollar investment at the chance to basically take a similar production process you know it's not tahine making a beer it's tahine making medicated tahine which has its own process but you already know how to make tahine mm -hmm. <laughs> right so i don't know man i just feel like there's such opportunity there right i mean and i and i could like i'm literally walking aisles in the grocery store being like, oh, I'd fuck with that. I'd fuck with a medicated Choco Crisp. And like, I know that because I bought, I mean, a Cookie Crisp. I bought Cookie Crisp from this dispensary. And like, that's what these dispensaries are doing. The watermelon gummies, like. Oh, dude, they whoever makes that the, first the, is going to win. The Cookie Crisps, like, can you imagine what that press, like, if we received that press release, like, Cookie Crisp is going medicated. <laughs> And they're like, but they did it completely legit. They're filed with the state. 
They're distributed through dispensaries. Every but little cookie like, is one milligram. Fuck yeah. yeah Amazing. And it's, and it's the brand you know already. And then on top of that, they're legally going after any other brand that's marketing their shit as cookie crisp. And they're just owning the cereal cookie medicated market. That's oh. a that's a hundred million dollar industry if we can get to federal legalization. I think like, everyone's no just waiting for the first one. Because after that first one, when everyone can see, all right, this brand went out and did it. Let's see what their their numbers are looking like. Let's see if it's actually working for them. Maybe wait a few years. I mean, everyone's just waiting for the first brand to take that jump. And then if if any brand is bold enough to take that jump, it's a copycat world. Like it's gonna start happening more. It just takes that first one for everyone to see, like, all right, let's see what's what's the model gonna be for a traditional brand to make that type of jump. I'm venturing that they are they are doing it. Because the opportunity is too large. When Constellation Brands invests a billion dollars in cannabis in Canada, right? That's someone pivoting in another industry, somewhat loosely related, because I guess it changes mind, mental states yeah, or whatever. Yeah, inebriation company. But no one's going to talk about it until it's federally legal. And I get that, because if you lose, you know, if you get taken to court or whatever, or if you get prosecuted because it's federal legal, like, yeah, there's there's more L than there is W's in that conversation right now. But, but if you're Kellogg's, do you just wait? Like, here's the thing is you can't sell it uh, nationally anyway right now. You just can't do it. And you're going to make one individually for California and so forth, like, and, and risk. So right now, everything before it gets federally legal, it's just gonna feel like an uphill battle for 99% of consumer packaged goods and their current audience. It's just gonna feel like an L. It's gonna feel like this uphill. As soon as we do this, we are a shitty, crazy company that like no one is gonna respect. Like that's just genuinely how they're thinking at the top. But if they wait and it weed is legal across the country in a couple years, then Kellogg's is already has all these brands that they own. Like then they could do Cookie Crisp then and just make it weed based if they wanted to. And they could do it and no one's gonna stop them. Yeah. I I hear you and I know that's why they're not doing it. In my head, the analogy is being on like a front line of a battle Mm -hmm. is that you know the people on the front lines right now are taking heavy losses because they're potentially dealing with federal restrictions. They can't get credit card processing. So, you know, the the people up front are losing, right? But if you win the battle and you're on the front line, your opportunity in comparison to the guy that's like 10, 15 people back or wasn't even at the battle at all is like, the riches, I think, are very, the opportunity is very different. So it's kind of like the the risk reward of, yeah, and Kellogg's isn't going to be on the front lines of this debate, but will a smaller cereal company do it because like the upside is so big? I, th- I think that's what's coming. That's cool. I mean, do you remember the first alcohol company that like pushed back against prohibition? Like, I don't think we remember or care about who was first to market when alcohol became legal. 
Like there's enough time that passes. There's enough resources to go around that when you're ready to sell nationally, like you go for it. You still have to go get your resources. So I think like all the losses that these companies are taking to be first mover advantage into whatever cannabis, whatever medicated brand of a product that people already are familiar with, like a cereal or a chips, it's like not worth the money to spend. Like let someone else Take those die, die on that cross because as soon as you're like oh shit it's legal cool what does it cost to medicate my cereal million dollars fuck yeah just pull it out of the bank we're good you know what i mean so like it doesn't it almost seems like not worth it and it could seem like they're too conservative at the top like i said earlier it could also just be like yo we're down we're just like why would we spend right now we can't sell it yeah so we'll just wait i mean i definitely i definitely get why the wait for sure there's there's still like in there's so much opportunity though like so i think i think someone someone's going going to go for it and like you mentioned was it ab who who invested well, a constellation and, and yeah there's a reason why they did it so they're probably like cool the moment it's there the moment it's legal we're gonna be ready for it like we've been investing so like while the competitor beer brand now has to invest, even though they might have the money, it's going to take them years yeah. to get it. And so I, I see your point there of just like, well, when it's ready and I can sell my beer into every Ralph's in the nation and every Whole Foods, I'm going to do that day one because I'm Constellation and I invested a billion dollars six years ago and fought all these hard fights. And then everyone else has to figure that shit out. So there definitely is a first move Well, and advantage. Constellation isn't even fighting the hard fights. They invested in a can- Canadian company where it's full, fully legal, right? Mm. W- because with the uh, national legalization in Canada, like they're, they're able to progress and develop that market in a crazy way. The, the comparison I want to make, right, is... When when craft beer started exploding, right? Then ex- in California, uh, Stone was like a becoming a behemoth. But the way they evolved into like a really smart business model is because they were distributing their own beers to hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands account across the country. They became a distribution company mm. and they were just the right company at the right time that if you were a craft beer brand and had a crazy audience, well, you had to use stone distribution because unless you're going to get bought by Anheuser or bought by Miller Coors and get to their distribution, like they, because they had that pocket position at the right time, they just controlled craft beer distribution in a major way and that's where i think again i don't think kellogg's will do it but whoever's kind of first out of that gate and in that position to be like well you know cookie crisp is sold across hundreds of dispensaries and we can now do that for your cereal for your snack brand for whatever i don't know man i think that i think that's going to be powerful but we're again we're probably we're probably five to 10 years away from legalization before that even matters in the US. What happens in five to 10 years when it's completely legal federally? Do dispensaries exist? Or does it just become another aisle in a grocery store that's like bright green and like everything on this aisle is medicated? Like what? why would you go to a dispensary if let's say you could get cookie crisp medicated at the store? Because then what would be the difference between a medicated cookie crisp and a bottle of beer? They will... They will be, 
they will become C stores or grocery stores in the same way that they still have to get permitted and they still have to follow all the state rules and laws. So I think it's still going to be hard to distribute things with the packaging requirements or the uh, age validation requirements in a certain sense. But yeah, I think it's definitely the dispensary of today will not be the dispensary of the future. I think it just depends on how much regulation is actually on it. Um, Because if you compare it to alcohol and you compare it to a bar, which is going to be like the lounges coming Mm -hmm. in marijuana, like we know that I've talked to multiple restaurant owners who are like, well, you know, it'll cost me a hundred to 200 grand to get, to get approved by the city, to get my ABC license, to sell alcohol in that way. But it's also the highest margin part of the business. So we're just gonna, we're gonna figure that out. I'm assuming it's gonna be somewhat similar. There's only gonna be so many licenses in the state of California until they make more licenses because they want more money. Um, and you're going to have to fight for it with legal fees and cities are going to have to approve it because they don't want dispensaries necessarily at every corner because they don't believe in marijuana. I mean, that's what's, that's, what's crazy is like everyone in our generation, like the millennial down is very open to cannabis, but there's still entire generations that think it's dope. Like little, not not, so not no, exciting. Like, it looks like cocaine. Like, yeah, it's, the it's same literally thing. like a federally banned substance. And those are the people sitting in office, sitting in points of power, having a, a ton of wealth. So, and things change over time. Like we're we just happen to be in this moment right now. But uh, like decades ago during prohibition, I'm sure it was the similar thing. Like if you were drinking, it was under the table. It was you know very frowned upon. And so I th- I think we get to a point in cannabis that that becomes much more normalized. I mean, it's getting closer and closer and closer. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see that level of it at like grocery stores within the decade. I don't know. But I think that's pretty fascinating to think about. And it's kind of funny how we've gone full circle from going to like underground swap meets that distribute cannabis. So like, I don't know. I think I think, I think think we learned and touched upon something pretty interesting here. It was new for me and Jeff, so I hope it was new for you guys at home. Izzy? Dude, I, before before you go, is I was watching the Democratic uh, debates last night, and I f- I feel like cannabis could actually be the way to fund healthcare. Whoa, Ooh. spicy! Go ahead. I, f- I for because I've when I hear people talk about when I hear Bernie talk about Medicare for all when I talk when we talk about healthcare for all like I, I honestly don't understand how how it's paid for and even though I agree with the statement that healthcare should be uh, a human right I don't know enough to be able to advocate for it without continually bankrupting our company and giving other countries more power because we continue to borrow and et cetera yeah. et cetera but cannabis is something that's going to have the demand that like I could actually see it becoming federally legal because it's it's the money that can pay for stuff. And I think that's the only way in polarized politics that I feel like people get on board with is you know, Democrats will kind of frame 
frame money like for policy, like oh, this is good because we're giving back the safety net, right? They don't. It's not just cash. It's not just money going to people. It's a safety net. And then, well, Republicans care about money too, the funding for their projects or the military or whatever. That's something we can agree on. And I think we can all agree that there's like huge demand for it. And so, I don't know, man. I can kind of see that playing out in the same timeline. I don't think, I don't think we're, I don't think the next president, whoever it's going to be, is going to be able to pass healthcare for all. I just don't think it's going to happen. So if that's five to 10 years away minimum and cannabis federal, federal, being federalized and legal is five to 10 years, I don't know. There seems to be enough of a domino effect, like taxes that go for cannabis to make it federally legal could contribute to things that we don't currently have. So if you believe in uh, you know, a universal income, I don't know how you pay for that yeah unless there's something new that is doesn't exist like cannabis that we suddenly get that we, revenue from that we get revenue from because it just otherwise it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because businesses will continue to go through every avenue as much as possible to not get taxed on anything so i don't know to me there's like i that that was an idea that just popped up and you know there's probably a million reasons why that's wrong but to me that's actually feasible in my head we should get like a democratic candidate on the on the podcast you know what i'm saying i'm sure i'm sure bernie's Whoa. free right now <laughs> you know or a republican or whoever i want to talk to somebody bro there, i want to see because that's a very interesting very interesting line of process because like Again, you know, I'm not very politically inclined. So, but when I do hear universal healthcare, the idea of it sounds fantastic. But like, I also understand that every year we talk about how deep our debt is and I have no fucking clue how we're supposed, like, oh, let's just print more money. Like there's ramifications to that. But if we actually have a new source of commerce in our country, that's different and differentiating from other countries, that's what like, oh shit, Cool, let's use that. And imagine if the United States became number one in the world with the products that were developing in cannabis and then helped develop international law for there to be like to be actually traded. Like that's that's Silicon Valley is, you know, the beacon of economic prosperity through like innovation, right? How can what are the industries that have enough demand? hopefully don't do tons and tons of damage to society, but could actually like people would pay for it is like, I'm the prime example. Like I'm paying through the ass state taxes and don't care. Like I don't care because I never knew cannabis beforehand. And I think there are way more people like me than there are people who have experienced weed over the last decade. You know, and again, they're going to clamor about the high prices. But if my $20 chocolate bar became $22, dollars $25, you know, I wouldn't notice. I'd probably notice, again, if there was a 50, 60, 70, 80% jump. But I think there's like real room there for, cons- for consumers like me that would support an industry with a federal tax and not like, we won't like the tax. But if it was there, I don't know if I'd notice. 
I, I agree. I feel like we're looking as a country into something like a new gold rush. And then the idea of it is just like, well, cool. Like if you can invest into making it safe for people, we should do research like a hundred percent. I don't, I'm not out there recommending everyone go smoke a fuck ton of joints. Like I personally don't smoke a lot of weed and it's because I just know at the end of the day, like I'm still, that's still smoking something. And eventually we're going to have federally backed research. That's going to be like, yo guys, like stop smoking. It's still shit going into your lungs. Mm -hmm. Like even if it comes from the earth, so does tobacco. You know what I mean? Like, so there's, there's things there, but if, if we can research and I want to know more about ingesting weed, totally, you know, like I'm doing it right now on this, like good faith principle. But I, I don't recommend, I'm not sitting here recommending smoking or consuming cannabis. I'm just not. Like, not. I'm doing it we're the same way I drink. Yeah. The same way I drink. I still drink because it gives me, it's a good time. And it's a tax on my body, but it's something that, like, I've just settled with. I've settled with that. So, but there's research about it. There's research. There's a reason why you go in. Right now, my last doctor checkup, he asked if I drank. I said, yes, I drink once a week, twice a week. He's like, Okay, let's try to cock that back a little bit. I was like, he's, and then I was like, I also uh, smoke weed and I eat edibles. He was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I would actually rather you did that. Then my doctor told me that. And I was like, oh shit, really? This is, he's like, yeah, I'm not like, I can't like actually tell you that, but I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> this is a serious, serious thing. He like winked at you. <laughs> yeah, he was like, but he was like, yeah, I would rather you, and you can feel it in your body. Like if I have a night of drinking, the next day is hell. If I have a night of smoking weed, the next day I'm just like, oh, I'm a little... You're little, recovering. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, or were good. You, well, you haven't smoked what? enough weed that night, that's why. And I've smoked... Uh, don't get me wrong. Like, There's nights where I have smoked a ton of weed, and there's nights where I've eaten a ton of edibles, and I'll be on the highest of highs, but it's not like the next morning I wake up and I can't do shit. I'm awake and I'm going. I still go to the gym. I feel, I feel good. I can't go to the gym hungover from alcohol. I cannot. I'm throwing up the next day. Your body aches. It's a literal poison going into your body. Sorry, so, to, sorry to stray away from this, but do you remember that article of the journalist who took like a brownie and didn't know how much weed was in it? And she was like crawling in her like hotel room and she was freaking out and had no idea what was going on. I don't remember if we wrote about that, but I remember you I showed mean, it, it to me. I Eli. mean, I don't, I don't it sounds know. Like bad, it sounds like a sounds like, <laughs> like she took too much. Millions but she of good bad though? trips that have yeah. happened. Yeah. And so at least she woke up the next day. Yeah, I mean, she like, alive. I'm glad she's alive. She's alive. You she know? wrote about it. So, yeah. So, again, like, and again, the worst of trips for people through weed is like just a bad trip. It's not, no one's ever died from it. God, God forbid. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, we don't know. We can't we don't say know. that factually. But, yeah. But yeah, there's less. You hear about it a lot less, and I think that's the that's definitely the general consensus. I mean, the the swap meet for me sold five hundred milligram edibles, right? And I bought one because it was five dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and I I will never try it. I'm not I'm not I I bought it out of discovery for this podcast and to keep it, and because I wanted to see it, and it's absolutely taking cookie crisp putting stuff on it turning it into a rice crispy style bar and making it medicated as fuck as far as the vendors did you guys get a sense that there was like a top tier vendor there mm -hmm. or like someone that like stood out from the rest like you know if there's if you're at like a festival and howlin raises there you're like 
we're going to Howlin' Rays. Like, we'll, we'll try all these other little guys or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But Howlin' Rays, that's where that's why everyone came here for. Everyone came for, you don't have to name any names if there was one, but, like, did you feel like people were like, all right, we're, we have to go to this one because this is the dude. I mean, for us, one, no. I'll just say no. Right, Jeff? There wasn't, like, one premier vendor. The booths were all the same size. I think people go in for different reasons. Like, I didn't even go to the places that were, like, experimenting with like shatter and like wax wax. I'm like, I don't even know how to use that shit. So like, and I don't really care. So, but I go straight to like, Oh, these guys have like packages that look like Sour Patch Kids. Like I drove, I walked straight there because they're feeding to my sensibilities. Why I was there was I wanted edibles. And so that's what I was into. So no, nothing was like top tier. It was very kind of mellow, very much like a swap meet or very Mm. much like a, a farmer's market where no one necessarily has like a much bigger booth than anyone else. It's just kind of like whatever you might be into, whoever you might be vibing with, you just kind of walk there. Cause I thought it would be kind of interesting if like among all these little vendors who just seem like they're just throwing weed on top of the cookie or whatever. Like if there was one that like felt like, yo, they know what they're doing. They know how to dose it. Like they're legit. They've put in research into this, and they're not just like throwing weed on top. of I mean, what I would say there are more brands that are that. I mean, again, you're seeing them in such a limited interaction that you're. If if Eli and I went ten or twenty times and we're able to see the flow or where people went or how you know, like we were there once, but there are brands that are better put together Mm -hmm. than other brands i mean no one was in the dreaded ziploc baggie you know no no one everyone everyone had their own brand identity of some kind the packaging differed uh and how strong that brand identity was differed but at the same time everything that i touched and felt even if i knew it was homegrown mom and pop style like none of it gave me a super red flag which is which was actually kind of nice but i'm assuming that's because the industry is so legit now that like the packaging that i get from kiva is fucking next level Mm -hmm. like it looks crazy so that there's a new bar in cannabis packaging and brand presentation and if you're not getting closer to that well then i think you're getting left out because there, there's yeah there's a there's a new bar now. Their packaging looks like you just bought a new iPhone. Like when I see you guys walk in with that packaging, I'm like, oh shit. Like when I'm opening up a Kiva chocolate bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it's like it's actually easier to open an iPhone case than it is a Kiva chocolate bar. Shout out to Kiva. Um, well, if you guys leave 40 reviews that says Eli eat the cookie crisp bar. 40 reviews i need 40 of them on the even if you don't listen on the apple podcast store i know a lot of you guys listening from spotify and some other stuff bless you i love you guys for listening uh but just go to the apple podcast store if there's 40 of them and they say cookie crisp bar in the title it's 500 milligrams shatter infused I will eat the whole fucking thing no i'll eat the whole thing and then we'll do a podcast and we'll do a podcast in one sitting should i do half I should oh, probably do half. No, dude. Did I already start it? Okay. Yeah, 40. 40. I got this. I'll do it. 40. Don't be, Alf- don't be Alfred's coffee. No, I'll do it. By the let's say by the 21st of August. 21st of August 2019. There are 40 reviews that specifically say cookie crisp bar. In the review, you guys got it. 
I'm going to eat this shatter-infused cookie crisp bar. Maybe we'll go to like Knott's Berry Farm or something. Who knows? Dude, I don't... You've <laughs> never had that much... No, but I've I've had... Clo- no, I've never Dude, had that much, is, actually. Never had that much. This is 500. We'll figure it out, guys. Jesus. We're not doing anything. I'm just going to be around to make sure that you're like functional. <laughs> it's going to be funny. Maybe I'll just go to sleep. Anyways... <laughs> Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys continue to enjoy this particular series where Jeff and I get high and go to fun places. So that was a fun place for us. Izzy, how do you feel? I think that was a good story. I think I think that you guys had a rough, scary time, but also it's a story to tell. So and it wasn't that rough and scary, but I appreciate that. And Jeff, you feel good? Yeah, at Food Beast. Ketchup, K-A-T-C-H-U-P on Instagram. That's when you're going to see all dedicated ketchup content. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Kutnick, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-K-U-T-N-I-C-K. I should probably change that soon. Yeah, you should. we should think of something fun for you. I'm at Book of Eli, E-L-I-E. And uh, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter, and we'd love to talk to you guys. Appreciate you for listening. And I'll see you on that Apple Podcast review, man. I hope I don't get to 40, but let's get it. Bye. Bye.